wonderful podcast of all. Which one? I hope this one. This one. It's got to <laughs> be this one. I mean, it could be. It could be. We could be in the midst of recording what might go down in history as the greatest episode of any podcast on any topic ever made. It's possible. I mean, we got to aspire to something. If not that, we might as well just quit. All right, we won't quit. <laughs> How you doing, JT? Oh, Jeremy, I am in a wonderful mood. How are you? I'm good. It, you know, it sounds like you're almost like in a joyous mood. You know, it's almost like that. It's almost exactly like that. Are, are you feeling festive? I'm feeling festive. I'm feeling like I should just be curled up in a blanket next to a fire having a nice red wine. Maybe it smells like hazelnuts or chestnuts. Don't know what either of those actually smell like, but they sound lovely. As long as they don't smell like pumpkin spice, I'm in. Oh, uh, I'm glad it's not pumpkin season anymore. Are you uh, Are you into the, to the pumpkin spice? No. The P.S. Latte? The P.S. this and that and whatnot? No, but I live with three white women. So I there oh. have been pumpkin cider donuts and pumpkin spider, piter, whatever, all of it. It's all here. I want to know about the pumpkin spider, but we'll have to save that for another time. We have pumpkin spiders in South Carolina. It's a real thing. Don't ask questions. Let's keep moving. <laughs> so, Jeremy, this week we are doing the top five. Originally, I had said holiday movies or movies that get you in the spirit. I kind of just moved it to like November, December movies because like anything that you'd watch in and around this time feels like fine, regardless of what that is. Uh, how did the list go for you? Uh, I'm going to say poor to Ooh. mediocre because I, I don't. You know, I don't get in the holiday spirit from the perspective of, like, I don't psych myself up for Hanukkah. You know, it just sort of happens, and I eat, you know, lots of fried goodness and give my kids stuff, and, and that's Hanukkah, which is fine. But I don't, like, there's not a big buildup to it. So I had to put myself in the mindset of, uh, A, shifting my own thinking to making it more of a seasonal, wintry, this time of year mood. And then once I started doing that, I got way into nostalgia land and I ended up having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I do have a spreadsheet, so I'm ready, but it, it was a, it was a little bit of a wonky journey and I have certainly taken some liberties that, you know, you may or may not approve of. Whereas I'm guessing you had three of your picks while you were like finishing the phrase movies that get you in the mood for the holidays, I'm guessing you had about three instantly and then maybe had to juggle a couple to like really get to that fine final point. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. The, the, the number was probably closer to four. Four. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have one of the movies on my list where the note is, and let me, let me see my exact phrasing. Uh, doesn't matter because this is absolutely on JT's top five. <laughs> so, so that's, I, and, uh, for a little while, actually, I was going to try to make your list. I was going to do the, can I get five <laughs> for five for what JT gets? Like I was going to turn the whole list into this. There was a point I was texting you and I was laughing out loud to myself. I, I was like, I'm actually going to take this literally. And what are the top five movies that put JT in the mood for the holidays? And so it was all that. 
there's a solid chance that you could get three, if not four of them. The truth is I don't know because I don't know if you're like a um, old, old school, like, I don't know yep. what your era of holiday movies might be. I also, by the way, got strict about one thing, which is I didn't put movies on the list that I don't have any positive affinity for. Or like, there's a, there were a couple of movies that I've seen and enjoyed, but not like, they don't, they wouldn't, they, they aren't something I really care about rewatching other than maybe a scene. So I actually didn't even include those in Pong this time, which is a little strict of me, I, I, I acknowledge. Yeah, so I actually did the same thing because like there is no shortage of holiday type movies. The truth is, is some of the ones that are most well revered, I couldn't be bothered with at all. So I didn't put them like there's one glaring omission on my side on um, even in Pong. I just don't care about it. Like it's, I've seen it. I don't care. Is that the uh, Air Bud Saves Christmas? Nope, that's in my top five. Way to ruin it. Uh, There's like 11 Air Bud movies, by the way. I think it's 13, actually. <laughs> and counting. I think there's an Air, Air Bud does a podcast is coming up next. Yeah, so Air, Air Bud aside, uh, what is the rubric? You said you had a spreadsheet earlier. What's your spreadsheet look like this week, Jer? All right, here it comes. But listen, nobody puts Air Bud in the corner, JT. That's right. Nobody. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay, we have the movie itself. The quality of cast, I went back to the cast uh, as a factor. I have a, what I called schmaltz. And this oh. is like, leans way too heavy into some schmaltziness about, uh, about the holidays. I have a rewatchability. Mm. And then I have a second, outside of the holiday time frame, rewatchability. In other words, would this be a fun movie to watch in June, for example? Uh, I have The Message. Right? Is this a uh, saving lie or saving saving something? Are we saving something or are we stealing presents? What what might we be doing? What is the what are we telling our the youths? And then finally, I have a is this actually a holiday movie or not? Okay. And then, of okay. course, um, assign points as needed to get to the top five list. I really want. Correct. Yeah. And this time, by the way, I went negative. Just to avoid re-talking about a movie I've talked about many times uh, and would happily talk about more, but you know, just just to spice it up a little. I like it. I like it. I, I love the is it watchable outside of the holiday season because that is a really good rubric for if it's a good movie or not. I love that one. Thanks, buddy. So I'm I'm gonna guess that you may have a Shawshank or few. I don't know. I, I'll I'll start off by saying I do not have one. Uh, I, I'm open and I'm curious to yours. And I, again, there's just one movie that just keeps coming into my mind that I just expect to keep talking about today, but I don't know if you Shawshank that one or not. So let's, let's hear it, JT. What do you, what do you want to. I have, I have two. Okay. So the first one is, I think really specifically when we talk about the initial, purpose of the Shawshank, which is what is the movie that defines the entirety of the genre? I think you'd be hard pressed not to include It's a Wonderful Life for Holiday. Never seen it. <laughs> I was waiting for this moment in the episode. I didn't know where that movie was going to come up, but I know I don't know why I've never seen it. There was no particular whatever. It's just one of those like Christmas movies I never saw. So 
if if we were recording the visual of this and you could see my video, you would have thought that I was frozen for most of you talking because I am genuinely baffled by that statement. Is it, this is the one where uh, he's going to go kill himself off a bridge and then the, the angel comes to show him what life would be like without him? Is that the right? Is that, is that the one? Yeah, it is. But I'm just, I, no, no, no. Yes. There's yes a Timmy. Isn't there a Timmy? Or You're Tiny good. Tim? Is this Tiny <laughs> Tim? It's, it's not Tiny Tim. Timmy. You're good on the, I cannot believe you've, you've genuinely never seen this and that actually baffles me. I, I, would, I would only see it A for Jimmy Stewart and B, it's Jimmy Stewart, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> B because it's so iconic. <laughs> what? I'm so what? mad at you for giving me guff about not seeing Jimmy Stewart movies and you've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Christmas movie. Who cares? It's a wonderful <laughs> life. <laughs> well, I guess it's not a wonderful movie. Except it probably is. So I have, I have no I have nothing to say. I'm no it's just one of those movies that I just never I'll see it. Probably not. I probably won't. Yeah, it's a 90 on Metacritic and 94 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 9 out of 10 on IMDb. I'm going to accept it as a Shawshank because I know that for anyone who does, in fact, celebrate Christmas, that's the movie. So I'm I'm fully okay with it. And I would Fair. even guess, by the way, that, that other of my, of my fellow uh, non-Christian uh, celebrators would also probably say, yeah, that's kind of the one. So I'm cool with it because I know about the movie and I'm making a lot of jokes and having some fun with it, but... Totally fine. Totally fine. So fair. And I don't want to talk about it because I feel like regardless of where, like regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of religion, like religion and the holidays, I just feel like everyone's, I thought everyone had to see that movie at some point. Like you're forced to watch it just on principle. Um, George Bailey is such an iconic character. And I can't believe you haven't seen something that Jimmy Stewart did because you give me so much guff about not seeing what's the one that I haven't seen that he's in. I don't know, but, but listen, at Temple Beth Shalom, they don't, they don't have an annual viewing of, uh, I believe that. Uh, so the second one, I think you may or may not fight me on, but I, I actually do think that it's Shawshankable in this category, and it's it's Die Hard. Uh, interesting. I was wondering what you were going to do with Die Hard. It it barely got to my pong. I actually when I when I did the holiday movie uh, column, I gave it a two because the only holiday things and its message, I gave a two. Yeah, bad message. Um, bad message. Bad. <laughs> You know, the only me- the only message from it is like, you know, don't don't leave your shoes in the in the office when there's when there's terrorists. Take your shoes. <laughs> right. Always take your shoes with you. Always take your shoes. Happy Christmas. I wanted to Shawshank it because it's not really a holiday movie, but everyone who loves movies loves to say it's a Christmas movie. And I didn't really want to give it the airtime in this particular podcast, we've talked about it before and it belongs on other lists without doubt. And it's probably of all the movies I'm going to talk about today. It's arguably the best actual movie, but I don't think it particularly really belongs in uh, what gets you in the mood for the holiday list. Because again, other than carrying your shoes and running from terrorists shouldn't really get you in the mood for much of anything other than watching John McClane curse at people. So yeah, I I would this one I would actually push back on specifically from what you just ended up saying. Like you don't, I I can't imagine there's a bunch of households who are like, hey, you know what? It's time to buy that Christmas tree. Let's watch ourselves die hard before we go chop that sucker down. Fair. No, I think you're right. So actually, yeah, basically, I just didn't want to talk about it and thought you might sneak it into your sneak it in, and I didn't think it was. So yeah, that's actually I agree with you. I actually don't think it's a Shawshank. I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I have it in the pong just to be funny. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Do you uh, do you 
JT, are you one who chops down one's own tree, or do you get it at Target or something? Well, I don't. I don't get it at Target. I don't believe in fake Christmas trees. I love real Christmas trees. Um, I don't chop it down per se. Uh, I instead go to. I try to find like a small family-owned farm that you can buy stuff from. If somebody would let me chop it down on their farm, I'm totally game. I love me some chainsaws. Anything with a motor, I'm into. Okay, so should we talk car movies? All right, let's go to our list. <laughs> I'm having fun today. Uh, JT, you are up first. Sure. Hit us with... <laughs> how about and you I... How about you ask me? You give me the date, <laughs> the Metacritic, and what you want to tell me about the one that I should just get out of the way because you know it's on the list and I kept it there. Okay, so for the doesn't matter, JT has this on his top five entry. That was from 2003. So go yep. ahead. November 7th, 2003, a 64 on Metacritic. <laughs> Uh, I'll give you the whole cast. Do you want to just, what is it? You say what it is. The movie is Elf. It's Elf, right. So Will Ferrell, James Caan, Bob Newhart, Ed Asner, Zoe Deschanel, Amy Sedaris, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter yes. Dinklage. So I did want to go find some interesting stuff that I haven't before, and I have found a couple of interesting things. So one is Mary Steenburgen, who plays Emily, which is basically Buddy's stepmom in this also would go on to play his mom again in Step Brothers, which I don't know why I never made that connection before, but that's like, I've seen that movie a lot. I don't know how I never put that together, but that is that is true. That is very true. You know, it, it's funny. I've only seen Step Brothers like twice. I, other than, other than I, if you were to name 10 actors, be like, are they in or out of Step Brothers as a quiz? I, other than the lead two, I, I don't think I recall a single person. Isn't that weird? It is weird, but that's those. I actually think of all of their sillies, like all of the silly Will Ferrell movies. That one's really high on my list of actually being funny. Oh, it's I, it. I it took me a long time to see it, but once I finally did, I believe crying with laughter multiple times would be how I'd leave that. It's so good. Uh, the other piece that I found that was interesting was Will Ferrell turned down twenty nine million dollars to do Elf two. That's a lot of millions. That is so many millions of dollars to not dress up in costume again. I like, I really would want to sit down with him and be like, is that why? Because like, I'm not, I'm all for artists not selling out, but like that is an absurd amount of money to walk away from to make a very fun, probably really cute again, but fine movie. Not as good, I'm sure, but holy moly, that's a lot of capital. Well, not to get all Canadian on you or anything. I would argue that once you've made tens of millions, making more tens of millions, if you're if you're an adult enough person, you recognize you just don't need to, right? Like, yeah. Listen, he actually seems like a very well-adjusted human being. Will yeah, Ferrell, that's what so I, like, mean. I get him, and he also owns Funny or Die, so he's doing fine. But like, I feel <laughs> like that just still feels like a lot for a movie that brought a lot of joy. Anyway, I digress. The only thing I will say this time that I didn't talk about last time, I want to talk about the fact that like this was actually a really well thought out and well paced and well intentioned movie. Aside from the funny, whatever. What they didn't do is what made this good, right? They went just deep enough on all of the individual characters, but didn't go too deep on any one facet. So each storyline actually has enough enough depth to be appreciated for every character, but without like really dragging the plot along. Um, they did keep it light. It is a goofball movie, but I think that people missed how well the stories developed. Like they actually take a very traditional, like we built this movie the way you're supposed to build movies well. And Favreau, it's Favreau, so that's not surprising, by the way. But just the idea that 
they really kind of built this like really, really thoughtful, good script and movie. And the sequencing and the pacing is really good. And this like very goofball, funny, kitschy holiday, high schmaltz, I still think is really impressive. Like it's a very impressive thing that they did. And it is a great movie and it's highly rewatchable and it's highly quotable. And if it doesn't get you in the spirit for like throwing snowballs and eating junk food, then I don't know what will. And so you knew Elf was going to be here. All of you listeners knew Elf was going to be here. And guess what? It's here. I'm not sorry. Well said, JT. I, you know, it's funny. I had remembered also it was Favreau. What I didn't realize, it was effectively his first real movie. He had, he had done a movie called Made, which if you hadn't seen it, was the the un- disappointing spiritual successor to Swingers, right? Yep. It was not Swingers, right? No. At all. Um, but I don't think that was – that's like not a true test in a way because it was the – Hey, hey, people who just did this movie that was an instant cult classic, go make another one. And this yeah. time you get to be in charge. Uh, right. So, but then you look at where he goes from here. He does Elf. He does Zathura, which, eh. And then he goes off into uh, Iron Man and amazing set of movies ever since. It's, it's kind yeah. of an interesting arc for Gutter here. Yeah, it's an interesting arc for sure. And listen, I, I think you can see a lot of how good of a storyteller he was in how they put this film together. Because again, it wound up being actually really, really well done, aside from the fact that I think it gets tossed aside as a holiday movie. But like, no, actually, like if you take this on on merit, the runtime is right, right? All the characters are deep enough without being super deep. It's very thoughtful. You kind of get everybody's plight. There's, you know, protagony, antagony all around. It's good. And it holds up. It still holds up. Yeah, good choice. It was, uh, it did quite well on the uh, old spreadsheet rubric. With an, in fact, unadjusted, it was in the top five. Wow! See, you can make fun of me all you want. This is a good flick. <laughs> it is a good flick. It is a good flick. All right, Jerry, where are you starting? I'm going to start. I'm going to start way back when. I'm going back to 1965. Oh boy! Okay. No Metacritic. Okay. This is a. Testing the edge of our boundaries of, of our of our rules of stuff, just so we're clear. Okay. But the cast includes, and you've heard of none of these, I presume. One Peter Robbins, who is our lead. Christopher Shea, Karen Mendelson, and it's directed by one Bill Melendez. I got nothing. The basic storyline is. I just want to find the true meaning of Christmas. 1965, Charlie Brown? Yes. Okay. Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, first of all, that guy I mentioned, Bill Melendez, he directed all the Charlie Browns. Oh, really? All of them. In fact, I went looking him up a little bit. He only did like three other things. Like, but he did all the Charlie Browns through decades and decades of them. So, Clearly, the man is an eye for uh, for Mr. Brown. Yeah. So this this was my what movie did I grow up seeing? By the way, do you know how long the Charlie Brown Christmas is? I don't. It, this is why this is only here on a technicality. Uh, it's actually a twenty five minute short film. Is it really right? Oh, it feels so much longer. It does. And we all know the story gets the crappy tree, the whole, all that whole deal. I don't know. It was one of those movies that I saw every year, probably a few times over when it was on basic cable. 
I it was it's a nice movie. Like I, I like Charlie Brown in general, and I don't know. I was a bit of a lonely kid, and there was something about like I was one of those like counterculture. I wasn't into a thing if it was popular for no good reason other than being a stupid kid, um, which is how I look back on that time. Like oh, I should have not been not into you two when they were at their absolute heyday because oh my gosh were they amazing like right instead, right instead i'm like i don't like that with or without you song like everybody else does that was that was me this movie what i what i liked about it is i felt like i was represented here in a way i, I and i think this is something about the whole charlie brown uh the cbe the cb the cbeu <laughs> <laughs> Although I think the Thanksgiving special is a canon. But um, what I like about it is that you have all sorts of different personalities. Uh, it, it's very inclusive. And I think they do that right balance. And we've talked about this before, how I think older older movies, especially kid-oriented movies, the, I don't know what it's called, and the, the plot device that takes you down, the thing that, bring, that suckers you in on a negative emotional slant I find that that most of those older movies don't quite bring you back up. Like we talked about Bambi, right? Bambi takes you so far down. And then at the very end, it's like, eh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll grow back. Right, you know? right. I think that the Charlie Brown series did that right balancing act between making you feel kind of bad, but then making you feel good too. And there was something about this one that was so approachable, even as not a Christian to enjoy what was going on about Christmas for other people. So Charlie Brown Christmas, buddy. Yeah, I like that a lot. There is something about Charlie Brown as a character and as the his extended universe of characters around him that still, even to me, feels like a warm hug. Like it just feels very Charlie Brown feels safe in all the in all the ways that cartoons definitely don't feel like that anymore and didn't for most of my childhood, right? No, no. G.I. Joe doesn't quite catch the same beat yeah like the basically the protagonist in all of charlie brown is sadness <laughs> like like it's just <laughs> like you just want to be you're just fighting to be happier and they get they find a way to be happy at the end of all of them so that's actually really nice i like that good pick thanks buddy what uh what's oh um my next guess can i can i keep doing this Sure, you, if you want to. If you have an order you want to go in. Go ahead, my friend. Guess away. I've, I think your next pick is going to be from 1990. Or one of your top five. One of your top five. Uh, no, it's not. Oh. All right. What's your next one? But I think I know which one you think it is. <laughs> uh, so I'll go one year prior to that. So no, December 1st, 1989. It has a stunning 49 on Metacritic. 89, 49, Metacritic, 89. I'm guessing this is too. All right, give me one more thing. Do you want to? I'll give you cast, even though I think cast might give it away, but that's all right. Give me like uh, one, not not top tier cast member. Johnny Galecki. I don't know who that is. Next. You don't know who Johnny Galecki is? I might know by picture. Johnny Galecki is the guy from Big Bang Theory. He's Leonard in the Big Bang Theory. What about Juliet oh, Lewis? Juliet Lewis. Okay, I don't. I definitely know who she is. Um, I still think my gut on this movie's right. Keep going. What else you got for me? Uh, I'll tell you that this movie had not f- they're just the cast itself. 
four Oscar nominees, had four Golden Globe nominees, a Golden Globe winner, and five and a five-time Emmy winner. All right, I'm now. Nope, not the one I was thinking of. What you got? This is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Wait, that is what I was thinking about. It's got that. Oh my goodness. Who won all the awards? Juliette Lewis, Diane Ladd, Randy Quaid, and William Hickey all have Oscar nominations. Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Johnny Galecki all have Golden Globe nominations. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a one-time Golden Gold winner and a six-time SAG Award and Emmy winner. And Doris Roberts is a five-time Emmy winner. <laughs> wow. So it's funny because that I was like, I think this, from when you said 89, I was like, what happened then? And I was trying to remember the timeline for the for the vacation series. Yep. Uh, I think at this point, everything's got an extended universe. Well, this one definitely does. So funny enough, I think that you could argue that this, because of the Griswold children being different in all three movies, and based on assumed ages, Christmas Vacation's the first chronologically. Then it goes vacation, then it would go European. So got this it. is actually the first family kidnapping movie. <laughs> <laughs> In, in the vacation series. <laughs> uh, 49 on Metacritic, too. Wow. Feels low, right? Doesn't that feel low? It does. Uh, no, it doesn't. It's not a good movie. It's, well, so here, here's this, this the is where This was in my category of a few scenes I really like, and otherwise I can't watch it. But go on. I want to hear your, your shtick. I don't mean to... I'm not trying to yuck your gum, bro. No, no, no. It's fine. So look, the only trivia I want to say... So uh, May Questrel... Uh, whose career began in 1930, was the voice of Betty Boop. This was her final performance. And uh, previous to that, her final performance of Betty Boop was actually in Chinatown, which we've talked about, in which Diane Ladd appeared. So that's interesting. Hmm. Only two Christmas-themed movies came out that year. It was Prancer and this. Johnny Galecki was in both of them. Here's why this movie's on my list. Was he a child actor who, like... I, I recognize yeah, him from that show, but I don't watch Big Bang Theory. So he was also in was Roseanne. He? he was in Roseanne back in the day. As what? He was uh, what's her face? Is he was I? I didn't really love that show, but he was the boyfriend, the live-in boyfriend with the middle child, whatever her name was, with the huh. dark hair. So <laughs> all right, why this movie is on the list? So even just in watching the trailer again, this movie's pretty terrible. Like it is so phoned in and it is so like just absolute camp, absolute, of course, that's what happened. Just one after the other, after the other of like Chevy Chase, pratfall after pratfall after pratfall. Like it's just the same thing over and over. However, nostalgically for me, it's it's just one of those movies. It's There's another movie that I'll, I'll talk about later that I think just feels like the season. This is the one that was sort of kid-friendly, kind of super-duper goofy. I grew up in a house that loved uh, Saturday Night Live, so Chevy Chase was like a thing in my house. Like We really liked the stuff he did. I know I didn't see Fletch. I can't apologize enough for that. Um, but it, it hits on all of the like the silly holiday stuff, right? Like outdoing your neighbors with the decorations of life, the comedy that is everyone's family of coming from the in the same place but being so different, raising kids differently, how you show affection, how you fight. All those little hits are there, in overly exaggerated ways, which is kind of what the holidays, specifically in the US, is. It's everything just exaggerated. It's not turkey, it's turkey. It's not lights, it's blinding light. Everything is so big. This movie's big in all the hilariously silly places that we take the holidays. And so for that, I think it's kind of funny. There's also 
a couple of scenes to your point that just stand out forever where it's just like their ultimate scenes. One of my potentially favorite, like not funny, funny scenes ever. It's like faulty towers. Funny is how I refer to it. When grandma Bethany starts singing the pledge of allegiance and cousin Eddie stands up, I still laugh so hard at that. Instead of saying prayers, she starts doing the pledge of allegiance and you just see Randy Quaid stand up and like put his hand over his heart. It makes me laugh because that's like such a, Basil faulty little moment. Like that's such a funny little thing to throw in for no reason. And it's so good. It's so good. Listen, it's not a good movie, but it totally is the holidays. And I actually think all of the things that they exaggerate in the movie are exaggerated in real life. And if you, I don't think they were making a social commentary, but it kind of works that way. And it makes me laugh. Nice. Now, JT, I apologize because I forgot to do this on, on elf. So I'm going to, I'm going to introduce it right now. We'll do, we'll do, we'll stick here and we'll hit up elf as we go. But I had two questions per movie sure first given on a spectrum of let's just call it november 1st to december 31st when when should you watch this movie i think this movie is good for the day after thanksgiving day after thanksgiving and how about elf let's do that one too anytime you want but no no, uh, uh, yes and now pick one uh Elf, I would say like the week leading into your festivities, whatever your festivities are to really get the energy up. This is a good like, this one's a good starter. I think this is a good like palette teaser to be like, oh yeah, it's going to be that time of year and it's silly and goofy. I don't have to pay attention. Elf is getting you like in the moment. Elf is like really, really getting you behind it and like really feeling love and family and community. So I'd, I would, I think that should be like closer to the actual date. Got it. Now, second question, both, both movies. You have accidentally forgotten to watch them this year. December 25th is upon us. You've got your fire crackling. The presents are all around. The fictional chestnuts are roasting. We don't know what they smell like, of course. And do you now put this movie on? Elf, absolutely. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, probably not. Okay. Just uh, So those are going to be our recurring questions for the rest of the bit. I'm good. I'm in. All right. All right. right. Your turn, my friend. What's next? Here we go. Uh, I decided I'm going to just stay in the same year as you just to keep it fun funsies. So I also have 1989. Okay. My Metacritic. What was your Metacritic on that one? 30 something? uh, 49. 49. Okay. So not quite doubled, but at a a solid 76. Okay. I have talked about this movie before for disclosure purposes. Uh, The cast will give it away. But it includes Bruno Kirby. I don't know who that is. Carrie Fisher. Well, I know who Carrie Fisher is. Yeah, we've already learned that you don't really know this movie. So I'll do the weird plot for a moment. Couple meets on a road trip. Bumps into each other five years later. Then again, five years later, hijinks ensue. Yeah, I apologize that you've talked about this before. And I don't know what you're talking about. But I don't know what you're talking about. That's all right. This is one of those generational movies. So this is when Harry makes Sally. Oh, God. Yeah. Is this a holiday movie? It's not, but that's not exactly the category. So it is a movie, however, that for me is a very fall into winter time. Like most of the action and most of the, I mean, it culminates on New Year's Eve. So it right. is this time of year. They're out, Chris, they out shop, they go out shopping for a Christmas tree at one point, And. It's you know, what I was really thinking. What I started doing is I started thinking like, what are movies that just make me feel like, like it's that warm wintry kind of feeling. 
And this one just all of a sudden entered my mind. I'm like, oh yeah. And now that I live in New York, even more so, it's like watching the leaves change. Like even the co- the, the poster art for the movie is is like looks like they're in the fall, you know. So I it is not a Christmas movie. It's not a New Year's movie. It's not a Thanksgiving movie. But it is about this time of year. I think it is a very nice movie from the perspective of making you feel good about love and family and people that you want to spend your time with, right? Like the, the whole big quote of the movie is when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you should start spending, oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher the quote. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Anyhow, there's a big quote. It's relevant. I like this movie a lot. It makes me feel like winter and it puts me in a happy place. So it made my list. I absolutely love this pick. I love all the reasons that this falls into the category beautifully, actually. Uh, it Like, is this a top, like, I'm not saying that, we, you know, clearly we're not going to do the top five movie of all time, but like, you have really high regards for this movie. Like, is this like an all-time favorite movie? Not top five. I'm just saying like, if you had a list of things, this one feels like it might be up there for you. This would definitely be if in, in a, in a 20 disc desert Island set, this is definitely in the 20. It's probably my top two all time rom-com uh, with a debate of Annie Hall as it's compadre. Is it, it, it's got a very special place. Like it's, it, it happened in that time frame. It is so stuck in my nostalgic era of life that I don't know how to separate that from anything else. You know, I, I love it. I love it. So, you know, what's funny is uh, rubric, rubric wise, this scored very well for, in every category other than when I got to the, uh, is this actually a holiday movie category? I think other than that score, uh, it had an unadjusted second place. And if it had actually been a holiday movie, it would have blown out everybody else. So it ended up with a, on a meaningless uh, zero to something scale, 91.5. Okay. Wow. I and mean, our winners a, had a, our top ones had a ninety-two point five. So really, it's a it's a very thin margin at this point. That's right there, especially considering it's not a holiday. Ho- it didn't get the holiday points. So yeah, this I definitely know. would have blown it out of the water. Car- it carried itself very, very high. I mean, it's a brilliant film. So that that tracks. Oh, it got extra points on rewatchability because it is. If, if it's one of those, if you like it, it's it's highly rewatchable all year round. So yeah, really, you know, it got twenty extra bonus points over. <laughs> All right, we're going to stop talking spreadsheets. Let's go on. What's your third choice? Okay, I have a 3A and a 3B because I can cheat because it's our podcast. So I'm going to give you two dates and two Metacritics. But these two movies are very, very much tied together. They're not, so they're, they're not like spiritual sequels or anything. They're in the same vein. They're, they're like, you'll understand in a minute. Is there any chance... Is there any chance they're from 1969 to 1974? No. Oh, okay. Go on. That's interesting, though. Uh, so the first one is November 17th, 2000, and it has a 46%. And then its sister movie is November 9th, 2018, and it has a 51%. Interesting. It's not Prancer. Go on. <laughs> it's so the 2000 version I will give you Clint Howard and Christine Baranski in the 2018 version I will give you Keenan Thompson and Angela Lansbury Do 
You're gonna have to continue. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not with something yet. But keep going. Okay. I will give you my description of both movies. By the way. Yeah. Same. Same description. Uh, that tries to kidnap the president. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> uh, a salty fellow is left out, but gets his way in and finally realizes what the spirit of the season is all about. I, I got nothing. Keep going. What you got? Or you want me guessing? You want me to figure this out, don't you? No, no, no. It's okay, because it's a little hard. So this is two different movies, but basically the same thing. It's How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Dr. Seuss is the Grinch. Oh, okay. Okay. Go on. Okay. So... The reason I want them both is because they they collectively handle something perfectly that the first one and then the second one didn't do. So basically, collectively, they're the perfect Grinch movie, but separately, they both have their own flaw. So what the first one did brilliantly, aside from Jim Carrey, who is incredible, who, by the way, I don't know if I, I don't think I've brought this up on the podcast before, but it's absolutely nuts. So he spent 92 days in Grinch makeup. And it was two hours to put it on every morning and an hour to take it off. So he had to go and actually received like CIA training from someone in torture techniques to get through it. I, I, funny enough, I had read about that once before. I, I, some article, probably while doing some Lord of the Rings research, I, uh, something about the most committed to craft kind of thing. That was yeah, because because it wasn't just two hours of makeup. There was something insane about what that makeup entailed. I can't remember what the detail. Something of his eyes, maybe or something. Yeah, the prosthetic. So he had to like open and close, and then they would like force his eyelids open so that they could get certain things. Like it's just like a wild thing. So to do that for ninety-two days and then like elicit literally the CIA's help and torture techniques is like, if you want to commit yourself to something, that is. Uh, that's commitment. All the other trivia stuff, it's not the, the the one trivia thing I pulled from Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, which is the 2018, which is just for you. There's a scene where Donna Who uh, is late for her bus and chases after it, yelling the buses, uh, the bus driver's name, which is Sam. This is this is pulled from speed. That's from speed. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so it literally was a direct like they were they were pulling from speed and they did it intentionally, which I thought was cute. That's so wh- why they're on the list. So the original is a favorite of mine personally because it came out when I was like, you know, 13. So it was like it was like Jim Carrey. It was all the things that you want it to be, right? Sure. So absolutely love that movie. It's it's a little weird now. Like now watching it, I this is going to seem really silly, but you as a dog owner will understand. I hate the way he treats Max in that movie. It always really bummed me out. Like he's just really mean to him and it's not okay. Uh, they fixed that, by the way, in, in the new one, which I thought was really good. Uh, they also kind of skip through and skip over creating the narrative as to why his heart is too small. They don't really give any backstory to it. So instead, he's just like a curmudgeon and mean and eventually comes to, to like to the other side. The 2018 version, they show the backstory. They show him being an orphan. They show him going through all this other stuff that really sort of lended itself to why he got to where he was, which makes him coming through the other side that much more fulfilling. That being said, the new one also I thought was very good. It's a lot more kid-friendly just because the amount of prosthetics that existed in the first one is a little offsetting for little kids. So I like that they turned it into a sort of like very cartoon, very like just approachable deal. But both of them collectively tell a really – I like them – trying to use your rubric or not trying to but unintentionally – 
it is a hundred percent a holiday story. I sure. do like both of the movies. Um, I actually think that while I don't love the way the first one got to it, they both have a good moral compass and eventually get you to a really positive place. So the output is worth it. Uh, both of them, I thought, were very well acted, both from a physical acting and from a voice performance standpoint. Uh, and I just think they're really lighthearted and fun. So I didn't want to pick between either because I both think they they have merit, both of them. And I actually think they're both really underrated, like 46 and 51. I get why you'd give them low scores like as critics, but also grow up. Who cares? Just be, be, be happier, critics. Be happier. Uh, these are both fun movies. And I actually think they're really good. And I think they're... I think they, regardless of what you celebrate during the holiday season, the message of inclusivity and family and love is a huge message that should be everybody's point during this season. So for that reason, I wanted both of them on the list. Very nice. I'm going to nitpick with you in a moment, but first my uh, first on the extended uh, Q&A. Uh, yes. when, do you watch, when do you watch them both? And if you realize mid-Christmas Day you have not yet seen either one, uh, do you watch them? So I would watch both of them uh, probably about the second week of December, like somewhere in the middle. Like they're not they're not starting this leading up to right. Yeah, they're not a they're not a in the midst of of the season, but they're also not a kickoff movie. Um, okay. They're sort of like I'm in the spirit and want to be reminded that two week slog when you're kind of like oh it's still not Christmas, it's still not the holidays. What's going on? This is a good kick you up. This is this is good to boost you back into it. Uh, and then would I watch it? So the new Grinch, I won't have a choice. My four-year-old will watch it a hundred times in the next probably month. Also mm-hmm. watches that all year. Uh, the original one, I don't know that I would watch. If I had forgotten it by the 24th, I don't know that it would it would be on on the 25th, to be honest. Okay, but if your daughter does not choose to watch it and it's December 25th, are you like, oh, honey, come here, let's put this on right now? The 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 cartoon one for her, I absolutely would. Okay, now for my nitpick. Did you call the 2000 version the OG, the original? No, no, I didn't. I was certainly not not. the original Grinch. No, the original one's from like 67 or 69 or something, right? 1966. Okay, good. I just had a little, I was like, does he not know? Was this no no longer on TV all the time when he was a child? Because I thought it would have been, but I could have been wrong. No, it was. And I do have love for that one, too. But both of these took the story somewhere different than the like the original one. And it just felt more. Listen, th- these two just spoke to me more. I like the I really like the original one, too, to be you're, honest. You're allowed. It's it's cool. Thanks. You're a mean one, Mr. White. OK. Hmm. I'm feeling like there's one I want to do before you steal it. Because <laughs> I think you might have it. So I'm going to do that one next. 2003 Metacritic score of 55. Hmm. And an unadjusted 60 post adjustment 87.75 on my rubric. I have okay. nothing. Uh, the director was Richard Curtis. It was his first movie, though he okay. has made several since. The cast, which is impressive, includes Colin Firth. Martin Freeman. Okay. Liam Neeson. Yeah, okay. And Chiwetel Ejiofor. I don't know if I pronounce his name properly. Love Actually. Correct. Yeah, this is a great movie. Go ahead. Was it in your top five? It's not. 
Okay, so here are, by the way, what I was going to give you for trivia. Ready for this? This is, instead of giving you a plot summary, because it's sort of impossible, and instead right. of giving you weird facts, I was going to read you a few of the reviews as I sourced them on Metacritic, because at a 55, I was shocked how low this is. I feel this is one of those, like, feel good, everybody kind of likes yeah. this movie. How does it get a 55? First of all, in the re- just by scanning the page, so the headline alone of the reviews, the word cloying appears five times. <laughs> so here are the four. Now, again, uh, I think that the reviews are, are missed the point entirely, and it's rare that I would say, like, so many of them get it wrong, especially considering uh, it, it did well on the Ebert. Right? That's a, like, Yeah, that's really weird then. It's weird. I think they were. Try- I think this is one of those reviewers trying too hard kind of situations. Because don't get me wrong, Love Actually is not actually a great movie, but it's not actually a bad movie. It's a very middling. It should be at like a sixty-eight to a seventy-two. Is about. It's like a solid, solid C, right? Okay. But yeah, like, like B that. minus level rewatchability. So here's here are here are four quotes. If you feel yourself glowing after love, actually, you might be suffering from sugar shock. <laughs> Two, there were times watching this movie when I felt I was being force-fed thirty pounds of creme brulee. <laughs> Three, if listing the cast of Love Actually, which I want to, which I do want to do in just a moment here, uh, if listing the cast of Love Actually is exhausting, it's even more tiring to watch it. <laughs> The cast, by the way, includes, and just from the top of page list, Bill Nye, Colin Firth, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson, Martin Freeman, Andrew Lincoln, Kieran Knightley, Chiwetel uh, Ejiofor. The, and that's only the first page. I know there's a whole second page of equivalent level, Hugh Grant, etc. And my favorite <laughs> review quote, A patchwork of contrived naughtiness and forced pathos, the loose ends are neatly tied up. As they are when you steal a bag of garbage, or if you prefer, <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> so I love—I don't know. There's something about when you like a movie and find reviews like that that just particularly particularly fun. You know what I like about Love Actually? Uh, I, I feel it sets itself in the Christmas time of year. Obviously, all of the all of the. I think it's eight full distinct storylines. All of them take path, take place around in and around Christmas, but they don't a hit you over the head with it. It's like perfectly on point for Christmas as family ritual from, from, again, just looking at it from, from one lens, right? There's a lot of lenses to how people celebrate Christmas, but from the lens of love and family and whatnot, I felt it, it nails that pretty well. And I don't know. It is schmaltzy. I think I gave it like eight points on the schmaltz scale but in such a fun way, like we need movies like these. We don't need too many of them because too many ain't a great thing either. But we right. need movies like this where you just sort of throw it on. I would guess its rewatchability is really high. Like if I were to flip the channels, especially some of the sequences with um, Hugh Grant as as this, uh, you know, middling prime minister dating. Yeah. I mean, it's just there's just some great stuff in this movie. So love actually. Yeah, I, I love this pick. Um, it also is the archetype for so many of the Valentine's Day, spring festival, whatever to come, where it's just like, how many A-list celebrities can we get to do a silly rom-com? 
uh, New Year's Eve, whatever. Like this is the this was the first and best version of of that of getting not not eventually became stars, but like were already really well established actors. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and I, I, I like that you mentioned New Year's Eve because I have seen that movie, and it's 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 exactly what happens when you do this movie wrong. Yeah, I've never seen that one. There's another one I can't think of that I think has like Drew Barrymore. Like there's just a ton of these versions of this, right? But like this is sort of the best version. Like this is when you do it right. Yes, it's coyly sweet. That's the point. Right. <laughs> like that's the point. So don't be mad that they did exactly what they set out to do. Yeah, I like this. Had, this is good. They had one job. They did that job. They had one job. They had one job. By the way, include other people on the cast. I forgot cuz you know, somehow forgot Alan Rickman. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, there's even a January Jones, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, oh my god! It, it's such a good, good cast, and I still feel like I'm missing Laura Linney's in there. Kira, did I say Kira Knightley? Of course, you did. She's great. So there you go. Love All actually. Right. What's uh? I'm trying to think if I can guess another one of yours at this point. That's uh, gonna be tough now. So I'm gonna go. I'll give you the date, which might give it away. September 19th in 1941. Um, is that, no, that's another one of the, uh, it's a 96 on Metacritic. Miracle on 34th street. Nope. One of those though, right? Uh, no, it's not. No. Winter Wonderland. It was the first American film to use stereophonic sound. So it's a musical. Mm-hmm. I can't give you the cast because there's only two people in it total. There's a narrator and a conductor. Fantasia? Fantasia. Okay. Second time we've got Fantasia in our top five. Fantasia is a Christmas movie for you. Fantasia is absolutely a holiday and Christmas movie for me. Nice. Let's hear why. There's a lot of cool trivia about it that I'm not going to get into. Uh, it was, it still is the longest Disney animated feature. I will give you that piece. Uh, in June 2008, it was ranked number five on the American Film Institute's list of the 10 greatest films in the genre of animation, which has probably changed since 2008, but it's still going to be top 10. Why it's on the list. So this is probably highly personal, and I don't care. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, I decided that it was going to be a tradition to watch this movie on Christmas Eve because it can be put on in the background and it's absolutely beautiful to look at. It is stunning to watch. It's incredible to listen to. It has been absolutely perfectly remastered, by the way, like perfectly remastered. Um, Stokowski was incredible. Like the felt like everything about this is so good. I don't know why, but that mop scene, which is the, the one I think everybody probably thinks of like when, like my daughter loves it. I love it. But it is, there's something enchanting about it. It's a very enchanting, the whole thing is very enchanted, right? I also you love like the this, dance. The scene with the sorcerer is enchanting. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Huh. Thank you for picking huh. up on that. Huh. What I mean more specifically. Is it, is it magical? Is it spellbinding? Now you're just being mean. I don't know <laughs> if I have any others. <laughs> Are there mysterious forces in play? <laughs> yeah, it's basically just The Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's what I wanted to say. The Sorcerer's Apprentice is the movie I wanted to pick. Uh, what I love about this is it is special. It just feels like a special thing. 
and the holidays because of family and because of love and because of togetherness and whatever, it feels like magical and special. And so for this, for some reason, again, not that it's a specific holiday movie, but it sets the tone for the holidays to me. So to answer your question on the rubric, it would be, I would watch it on the 24th. And if I didn't watch it by the 25th, it absolutely would be on because it is, I don't know. There's just something very magical source sourceful. I don't know all the adjectives you just said. It's something like that. It feels like that to me. And that's, Listen, I don't actually think, not to be grandstandy, I don't think that's how the holidays really do feel anymore, and I'd like them to again. And so for that reason, Fantasia to me is like almost the penultimate should be a holiday movie, even if it's not. Very beautifully said. Nice pick. Nice Was pick. it magical? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, it's definitely more magical than the other holiday tradition of watching people get trampled at Walmart on Black Friday. So, <laughs> you know, good. I'll take I'll take this one any day. So, 1987, with a Metacritic of 72, the supporting cast, because the primary cast will give it away, maybe, maybe not. The supporting cast includes Kevin Bacon, Michael McKean, and Edie McClurg. I know two of those names, but I have no idea what you're talking about. The the plot the, the the plot variant is I'm just trying to get home, but all the flights and everything get canceled, so I improvise. This is 1987. Yep. Oh, and, buddy, I have no idea. Well, I would say other than like the Family Stone, which I don't like as a movie. It's possibly the only other movie I could think of at all that surrounds itself with Thanksgiving. I have no idea what this is. Also, we're going to talk about Family Stone later, but go ahead. Do we have to? Yes. Is it on your list? No, but it's it's on my Pong list and I wanted to talk about it. So we'll talk about the Family Stone. 1987. Oh, okay. uh, directed by John Hughes. Yeah, I'm going to be really bummed out when you tell me this, but I can't think of it. It's all right. It's planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> now, here's what's interesting. I haven't seen it in a while. My family watched it when I wasn't around, and they were like, yeah, it doesn't hold up. And I think this is just one of those movies I have more affinity to than others. Although, okay. with a Metacritic of 72, I can't imagine it's that bad. Like It's pretty high. I Right. I have a hunch maybe it's pacing is way off for modern movies and... Without sure. me around to keep everybody like, oh, this is why this is great. They, nobody really cared for it that much. Fair. For me, this is a movie that I've always had an emotional connection to for reasons unknown. So 87, <laughs> I was 14 when this came out. There's something about the, the sequence near the end after it's revealed that, sorry, spoilers. So yeah, as I always do, if you don't want to have planes, trains, and automobiles <laughs> spoiled, just skip ahead about one minute. So at the end, when John Candy's character, is it Ned? I want to say it's Ned, but it might not be. Oh, Del. Del Griffith is revealed that, that actually he doesn't have a family. And he's sort of all alone. And he's sadly on the train. And the right kind of music is playing. And Steve Martin all of a sudden puts it all together in his head and goes back to get him. I got to be honest, even just thinking about it, it's just like there's this raw emotional connection to that feeling of like, Someone has picked this lonely guy up and brought him into his family and just, I don't know. 
super sweet. It's super touching. And this to me is like in, in the ultimate of how should the world work? It's, you know, Oh, recognizing that's a lonely person. Let's take care of them. And yeah. I don't know. It just makes me feel good. Maybe it's the Thanksgiving element, which is my favorite holiday. Like fave, fave, fave. I'm, I, I, you know, this year is going to be weird. Um, I don't actually care about how many people now. Just still, just a weird feeling. I love Thanksgiving. I think it's such an inclusive experience. Uh, clearly, I'm on a the theme here today, but that's my pick. I love that pick, and I never would have thought to include it. But it's—I love your reasoning behind it. That's really, really—that's like really nice. That's a good feeling, and that is like I also had a very visceral reaction to you explaining that scene just now. Although I do think that emotional connections for reasons unknown should be the name of your memoirs, maybe because <laughs> it's a great like book title or something. <laughs> it's either that or a really good IPA. <laughs> yeah. I, I would drink the heck out of emotional connections for reasons unknown. That's a great IPA name. Yeah. I like that even better. Uh, that's really good. Also like candy Martin, same movie, you know, especially during that time, it's hard to beat that. That's a great pick that totally flew under my radar. That's good. All right, so for my last one, there's no way that you have this. Uh, March 11th, 1994, with a 69 on Metacritic. 1994, okay. I have not nothing so far. It was the film debut of J.K. Simmons. W- was he? But he wasn't the lead, right? He's just in it somewhere? He's just in it somewhere. Also, uh, the second sighting of Christine Baranski in my list this week, which is fun. So we got baby JK, baby Jonah Jameson, baby (laughs) J. Jonah Jameson, (laughs) and Christine Baranski. Go on. Uh, Uh, Thinking about this. It also starred, I think I could give you the whole cast and you still won't get it. It had Judy Davis and Kevin Spacey. 94? Yep. Basically, the way I would describe the plot is a burglar burglars the wrong family. And it's not Home Alone. Nope, it's not. Because I know that doesn't make any sense other than the burglar connection. Right. The Wet Bandits. Uh, Kevin Spacey in 94. So it's pre-usual suspects. And Dennis Leary is the main is the main character. He's the lead. You probably didn't see this movie. I, I know this movie, but I'm not going to guess. It's it's. Um, I I absolutely would eventually guess this movie, but I don't have enough. I I, I don't want to use up all of our time or your editing skills. So <laughs> so it's the ref. The ref. Yeah. You got, I got it. That. I got that. You 100 percent got that. I'm sorry. Can we see what? Can we can we get a, a quick replay on that one? You definitely got that. So you got that. I've seen this. I've seen this movie. Okay. I'm first of all, that makes me very happy because not nearly enough people have seen this. So much so that it was included in the American Film Institute's 2000 list of 500 movies nominated for the best American funniest American movies of all time. Really? Yeah. This movie is one of my favorite movies potentially of all time. So there's a very nostalgic part for me in this, which is that there is this might have been one of the first adult movies my mom and I ever watched together where she kind of like really let me lean into it. So this came out in 94. So I'm nine years old. There's a scene in this where Murray calls out for Gus, which is who uh, Dennis Leary's character is. And like 
he's trying to hide out from the cops and he has this one scene where he like she picks up the phone and says who are you looking for and he says where's Gus and she's like oh how are you feeling and he says who gives a rat's ass how I feel and nine year old JT laughed at that for at least six weeks <laughs> like bet. six consecutive weeks I thought who gives a rat's ass how I feel where's Gussie was the funniest line ever I could still hear it in my head I love that I have rewatched this recently it is still paced perfectly well it is, is absolutely it? it's it's so good this movie is so good like it takes so the same way that national lampoon sort of picks on all the things that's wrong with family this does the same thing but in like a very not over the top not exaggerated exactly as annoying as everyone actually is kind of way and it is absolutely perfect this movie is so underrated. It is absolutely a holiday movie because it occurs during the Christmas season where your family's coming over. This dude robs a house. I don't want to ruin it. I actually want people to go watch this. If you have not seen The Ref, like when your kids put your kids to bed, grab like a beer or a wine and watch this movie. I promise you, you will laugh out loud, out loud at least three times. Like good, hard laugh out loud. It is so enjoyable. It is so silly, but so deeply deeply connectable and like relatable in all the wrong ways because we are just so flawed as humans um the ending is not great so in your rubric it would not have done well because it doesn't nobody learns the lesson they're probably supposed to but there <laughs> is there is this one undercurrent that i think people sort of miss which is that there's sort of two families here there's the family he's burglaring and then there's the family that he's created with his his little friend murray who is like another out of work, sort of alcoholic, whatever. But like, it really is also that same relationship and, and they play on it very, very clever. It's a very clever movie. And I just really, I, I've again, watched it very recently because I was like, God, I hope it holds up. And I do that every like two or three years and go, it's st- every two or three years. I'm like, this is still good. It's a good pick, JT. I think, uh, it's, I think first of all, Dennis Leary's firmly in my camp of, Felt like he could have had more of a uh, more prominence. I, I, you know, I don't think he probably he's he's not a leading man. I don't think he could pull off that kind of a, a role. But I do think I think he's he's underrated in many many ways. Not not like I still think his his ceil- like his ceiling's like an eight or something. You know, he's not a ten out. Of, he's not a he's not an all star, but. <laughs> I like watching him. I like listening to him. I don't agree with everything he says. In fact, I haven't seen his stand-up in forever. But he, he felt to me almost like a, a even more approachable Bill Burr in a way. Yeah, that's a great that's a great comp. Like literally, if you go back and watch No Cure for Cancer, which gosh, at this point must have come out in ninety three or ninety four, which was the special that like Oof. really propelled him. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was brutal. But like he said, I mean, he was the he was basically he was like Stephen Wright, but with energy. Like he was that Boston <laughs> Northeast, really aggressive yeah. sort of like I'm coming at you full speed. And look, let's also not take away from the fact that he had a huge career with FX. Like you know he like he sure. did do like he did TV. But I, I agree with you that he could have probably been even more than that. This movie is like a shining example of him at his best because he got to lean into all of the gross like bad guy but that you kind of root for i actually could have used this guy probably in the in our protagonist one now that i think about it i could have used gus uh but yeah it's this is like one of my low-key favorites that a lot of people haven't seen that i want more people to see so that's why the ref is here you know it's uh directed by jonathan demi's nephew uh ted yes ted ted demi yeah yeah also ted demi is never going to be the name of an all-star director 
No offense, Mr. Demi, you're clearly a better director than me, but um, there's no, uh, just not happening. Interesting. One one last interesting piece that I totally forgot about, but the kid that was in this was a kid named Robert Steenmiller. And like, I actually thought he was so good in this role. And I was like, oh boy, we're going to like, even watching it again recently, because again, it does minus there's like, you know, technology stuff, but it holds up pretty well. Like you could probably sneak this into feeling like relatively recent. Like you watch him and go, oh man, he's going to be a really good actor. I think he's going to like do big things. No, did nothing. He's done like nothing. He did Jack the Bear. <laughs> yeah, cool. With Danny DeVito. Oh, he was in Rudy. Wow. I can't say anything bad about him now if he was in Rudy. See, he was in Rudy. Everything about Rudy is good. Everything about Rudy is good. I agree. I, I want to make Rudy on my list right now. Rudy makes me feel ready for the holidays. It's sort of, you know, maybe. There's snow in Rudy. It's, well, I think that's just because it's in the winter. All right. Uh, good choice. I think it's a fun, fun choice. My last pick is a sort of in the as obvious as it comes. I can't believe it's Metacritic score of a 38. Whoa. Uh, from 1988. Okay. The directed by Richard Donner in, I would say, nearing the end of his real, this might have been actually one of the end of his major prime movie making eras, if I'm not mistaken. I think he did like Lethal Weapon 2 afterwards, and that was about it. Uh, supporting characters and cast includes David Johansson, Carol Kane, and Alfre Woodard. Oh, okay. Is this Scrooged? The protagonist is just trying to put on a great TV show when he gets abducted by a crazy man in a magical taxi. Yeah. Okay. Scrooge. Great pick. Keep going. <laughs> Scrooge is my pick. It's, uh, I don't know why it's got a 38. I probably haven't seen this one also in a long time. So I'm going to have to give that a watch and see what doesn't hold up. And if it really doesn't hold up, I kind of feel like it's, it's absolutely rebootable. It feels like, the whole premise of Scrooge is them putting on a Christmas uh, a Christmas Carol in a movie. So now they could make they could make Scrooge now where they're actually putting on Scrooge, putting on a Christmas Carol. <gasps> How right? meta! Yeah, do like that it. like do the uh, like the Princess Bride style uh, retelling or something. I love. I don't it. know. I always thought this was a better movie than it's getting uh, score wise. You know, especially with the combo of David Johansson and Bobcat Goldthwait. Sure. One one expects gold. Uh, I don't know. I love the music. This is one of those uh, put a little love in your heart. Definitely, I definitely put a little love in my heart every time I hear that song. I got to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a cheerful, up, uplifting song. Oh, crap, JT. I got to pause myself. When in the holiday season do you watch the ref? Oh, uh, I would watch that on. Uh, Christmas night when all the kids are like December 25th on Christmas, the kids are asleep. I'm watching it that night. Very good. Thank you very much. Yes, now we're back to Christmas with Scrooge. Um, I like it because they take this, they take the classic story. They made it very modern and approachable at the time. Again, maybe it doesn't hold up with the modern pacing and whatnot. Bill Murray is Bill Murray and he's just phenomenal in it. And it does have, you know, I actually would say that the, the, one of the lessons learned of this story is, like don't work yourself to death effectively is even more poignant in our time than it was. I mean, 1988 was not when average Americans were working, you know, 50 hour work weeks, right? Like that was not happening back then. We didn't brag about productivity. (laughs) 
Like, right. I don't even right. sleep, you know? Uh, so I like the message. I like the movie. I like Bill Murray. I like the music. Scrooged. So it's funny. I obviously have seen this movie. I love Bill Murray. I This is one of those movies that I left off my list because even though I know the story belongs on it, my personal memory of this movie is not enjoying it. Yeah, is it not very good? Because I, I accept that it might, with a 38, it can't be nearly as good as I think it is. It's been a good long time since I've seen it, but I rem- like my memory of this is is thinking, ugh, like that's my memory of it. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it is good. I mean, listen, I definitely agree that it like talk about something that should be rebooted. I'd love to see this again. Bring Bill Murray back as the executive that the that this guy works for. Yes. Like, yeah, this is written in the stars. Like, one hundred percent, they should do that and make the whole thing like it's instead of a TV special, it's like a Instagram thing or a Fortnite thing or. Yeah, perfect. Listen, you could do the whole thing in Fortnite. <laughs> Why not? Might as well. Or he gets transported into a Fortnite world. It's sort of a combo. It's like a Wreck-It Ralph meets the Chris- Wreck-It Ralph 3, A Christmas Story. I love it. I literally green light this right now. Because okay. it like, as it, like as bad as you would try to make that, it would do well because it would be so much fun. I love and, this. I absolutely and- love it. All right. So I think that means, my friend, it's time for us to get into some contender pong. I feel like we need a contender pong song at some point. I almost feel like if we just don't say anything for a minute we might get a contender pong song in the background (laughs) all i know is that we have to keep adding to contender pong song with a gong (laughs) (laughs) or we should just stop doing this right now oh it can't be too long the contender pong song right Uh, all right so why don't you kick off contender pong the rubric this week will be the same as last which is you give a year and then your fun summarized plot 1985. Now remember, all of my picks might not be specifically Christmas. They might be That's just fine. wintry and whatnot. Yeah, just seasonal. 1985, a depressed teenager finds love whilst avoiding a malicious paperboy. Ooh, malicious paperboy. Uh, 80, uh, 85 is throwing me off. I don't know. It's better off dead. So better off dead... It, it, it has nothing to do with seasons, but a lot of the movie has has a skiing subplot. And oh, by okay. the way, how there are not more skiing competitive, like where's the Rudy of skiing? Oh, they did that, the Eagle thing. Didn't that just come out? Eddie the Eagle, which is based on a real story. Yeah, right. That's Sam, yeah. uh, what's his name? Eagerton. No, no, uh, didn't see it. No, but what's the, the what he played? Uh, I can't think of the Taron? Yeah, that's it. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> I remember when Eddie the Eagle happened, by the way. Anyhow, uh, Better Off Dead for me is a very, like, wintry association kind of movie. Okay, I like it. Uh, let's do 1993, A Confused King Wants to Celebrate in a New and Different Way. Hmm. You mean, like, maybe they go a little too far in their obsession to celebrate the wrong holiday? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> nice. Nightmare Before, Nightmare Christmas. Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, I also have... Now, by the way, for you... Is that like for each of yours, actually, for both, for all of the picks, you have to decide in real time, does it need to be watched in the Christmas season for you and your family? So better if that you've never even seen. So we'll just skip that. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, I would say yes. And when? Uh, that's a middle. Can I just go early, middle, late? I'd say that's a middle one. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Uh, 1993. 
I spend a long time in a small town in February. Oh, Groundhog Day. Yes. That's great. So, that's a, oh, that's a great pick, Jeremy. I totally forgot about Groundhog Day. That's great. So that was the one I had to give negative points to in the rubric because it otherwise smashed everything. It was like, it was so far above everything else because, you know, it's great movie, good cast, no schmaltz, super rewatchable. The message is solid. Not a holiday movie, but everything else was like eights, nines, and tens. So yeah. I had to give this a crippling negative 10 points just to keep it out of the top five. I would have I would have happily allowed you to have that in the top five. That's a great one. I listen, if if I'm picking between that or Scrooge, I'm picking that every time. Fair. So oh so okay, so early, middle, late, or not at all. Like don't have to watch it for the holidays whatsoever. Uh that one I wouldn't have to watch for the holidays. Fair enough. Uh, the next one for me, 1964, a misfit is bullied and cast away until people can exploit his abnormality. That sounds like you're talking about Rudolph, but I had it written down as 74. Was it 64? Uh, it could have been. I, I don't know, but it's Rudolph either way. So I had uh, I had this, the original Frosty the Snowman, and the original Grinch all in one called Christmas Nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> totally fair. Uh, yeah, this one I can tell you uh, we do not have to watch at any point. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you tried showing it to London? We we haven't, and I know she'd probably like it, but like I genuinely do take issue with basically this whole thing. <laughs> like with it's Rudolph? not. Yeah, it's not a good story. Of course it is. You should conform if you want to have friends. Right, conform, and and then whatever makes you different should be exploited at your, you know, at their benefit, and for your that that will be the thing that makes you. I don't like it. It's fine. Yeah, you either have to conform to get along, or just be outstandingly different and special. Yeah, that's right. Nineteen eighty three, a switcheroo story involving a one dollar wager. Oh, uh, trading places. Yes. It's Christmas. 100%. Listen, the scene with Lewis eating the fish in the beard is one of the grossest but also most telling scenes of all. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it's it. It's a salmon. It is a salmon. You're right because it's so <laughs> gross to look at. That's one of the – that scene – oh, I'm actually physically uncomfortable thinking about that scene. And, and listen, JT and, and Jill also, there's just a lot of people who really like to cook salmon. So don't to, – to get off his back all the way on this one. Okay? Salmon's a good food too. Okay, fair enough. All right. 1984, three simple rules proved too hard to follow, and chaos ensues. 1984. Is this Gremlins? Yeah, I was going to say, you actually uh, you brought this up earlier, and it was funny because I was like, this one almost made my top five because I love Gremlins. Nice. Uh, Gremlins for me would be a – this would be an early. I would watch Gremlins early. In December, and I would watch it, but it's not a must-watch. But if I was going to watch it, I'd throw it on in the beginning of the season. The early December is a fun. It's fun. It leads the end of the holiday season. It's goofy. Nice. Uh, 1990. You'll. This is the as far as I could get to getting something you wouldn't necessarily guess instantly, although you will by the year. Is I wish away my parents and seven siblings. Yeah, horribly neglectful parents leave a p- potential sociopath to fend for himself. <laughs> Very good. Very good. That's Home Alone, everybody. Home Alone. Uh, you watch that one? Is that is that Lennon's a little young for it? Yeah, so Lennon's young for it. I I did. My wife loves that movie. We watched it recently. It has a very high nostalgia factor. It's not actually fun to watch. We watched it a couple years ago. We enjoyed, but it also 
it's hard. It's easy to notice like, man, none of this should be happening. Yeah, like that, that you want to talk about the Moana just bring the rock home. This movie is like one of the like this movie should have been done in three minutes. Right. This movie is as soon as the wife, the mom uh, realizes on the flight, there's a yeah. there's a call from the cockpit to a, to whatever the local air traffic controller is. That person yeah. calls Chicago. Chicago calls 911. The movie comes to an end. This movie's over. This movie, this movie, if they made it to the airport, which, by the way, would never happen. But if they made it to the airport, right, to get on an international flight, which you know may, back then probably didn't require nearly as much accoutrement to get to get international, that's fine. But there's no way that movie goes on that long. All right, okay. my next one is uh, 2005: A Christmas Murder Mystery with Iron Man and Crappy Batman. I love that description. So it's Robert Downey Jr. and his crappy Batman Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Ben Affleck, <laughs> uh, Robert Pat- Robert Pattinson. Although maybe he'll be okay. We we don't know if he's crappy yet. We don't know if he's crappy yet. George Clooney, ninety five or two thousand five? What'd you say? Two thousand five. I, I, the only thing I could think of with Downey in that time frame was like Sherlock Holmes, and I don't even that's later than this. No, I, I don't have a pick here. The one about the violinist guy. The one about the no, violinist? that's the soloist, which is also a good movie. No, this is uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh man, I haven't seen that since it came out. I remember liking and this one a lot. So Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I don't want to talk about now because it's going to wind up on one of my lists someday because it is a genuinely one of my favorite movies. Like I love that movie. So I, I honestly, if I didn't like my description so much, I was going to leave it off so I didn't have to bring it up. But but the idea of Iron Man and crappy Batman made me laugh and it got you to laugh. So it was worth it. <laughs> totally worth it. I would uh, watch this, by the way, right on right around Christmas and 100 percent will watch it this holiday season. 1956. I meet God. Oh, I have no idea. That's <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Oh, fun. Oh, that's fun. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I went broadening my horizon on holidays for a little while. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, Passover happens in the spring. So it's close to the winter. Uh, it lost lots of points because this movie is completely unrewatchable because it is three and a half hours long and deserves oh. two full hours to be cut. Yeah. Brutal. But I also grew up where you'd watch this every single year on. CBC or whatever channel it was, it was always on like a Sunday night. And what I probably don't remember is that it probably started at like a 5 p.m. to get all the commercials in and have it still end before, you know, two in the morning. Oy, oy, oy. No, thanks. That sounds like torture. The special effects, though, it watching the if, if you could find, I'm sure we can Google it, finding the scene where they where they part the seas, the special effects, it literally looks like someone is drawing on the film cells with colored pencils. Sounds perfect. Colored pencils is my specific guess for this for the special effects. <laughs> uh, let's do 2005. Carrie Bradshaw ruins small town Christmas for a family. Oh, that's the uh, family of crap. Why do you not like this movie? It's without it's so, like, so no spoiler, it, no spoilers yeah. because that's a big part of it. Like I think, but genuinely, I actually like I really think pretty fondly of this movie. No, uh, I remember. 
I hated it. Watched it once. I don't know if I actually finished it. I was hating it that much. It had multiple idiot plot moments. So the uh, the Roger Ebert idiot plot is basically when a character yep. does something so completely unrealistic that you just have like that's the thing for for a family drama rom com. Anytime you're you're dealing with real world stuff, you you can't have too many. You can't get too hinky, right? You can't have too many overhearing of someone else's story as your primary plot point. Like. That's okay for like a minor, minor plot point here and there. I hate it even in those instances, but it's basically the premise of the movie. And I thought the premise, that's not fair, but it's a reused uh, vehicle. And I just think it's a lot of lazy writing in what should have been. I mean, it's like the family stone is like watching two episodes back to back of this is us. You know, it's, it's, it's fine. But it's so hyper unrealistic that I just ah, sorry, buddy, I, I just don't like it. No, no, no. Actually, you're making me want to rewatch it because maybe that is true. Because I like my memory of that. First of all, like just in in fairness. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Uh, Diane Keaton reminds me of my aunt Maureen, who's like one of my favorite people. So that that plays a role in this for sure. But also, this is one of those like out of this world casts. Like, there's so many good people in Crazy this cast. cast. That I want to, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll watch this again and change my mind. I, by the way, this would not be a must watch, so I just wouldn't watch it during the holiday season. But I do think pretty fondly of it as a film, so I'll go back and give it another run. I think it could also be a generational thing because I know other other folks younger than myself that like it far more than I do. So I don't know if that's a factor. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's like when Harry Mattel for me, like you know, it, it it hit me at the right time of life to become more in enchanting than it really is although i don't really want to compare those two movies because one of them's one no, the other ones yeah in in fairness they're not even uh, remotely comparable so i don't think anyone's gonna hold you to that but like i was 20 you. when this came out it probably felt like i probably felt seen because it felt like it, it definitely was of a moment like it was the first time that they really experienced like the, i remember the gay couple being a big deal there was a lot of stuff that was like oh it's like a it's like our movie for this, but maybe it wasn't good. Maybe it just felt that way. Ah, I'm going to watch that again. That's interesting. Okay. What's All your right. next one? Uh, my next one is probably also not the strongest link, but in 2001, I met this amazing person. Then I lost her phone number. And then I spent years searching for her until we eventually reunite. Lost her phone number. We have no idea. It's, again, a wintry movie more than a specifically holidays movie. And for all I know about, half the movie isn't in the winter because I don't fully remember. But the movie is Serendipity. Oh, yeah. L- love with, a John uh, Cusack. John Cusack. Loves the John yeah. Cusacks. Loves John's Cusacks. i got to be honest. I love all the Cusacks. Yeah, John, same. Joan. Yeah. I don't know. Is there Gene, Jim, Jill, Jerry? There's, there's probably more. I like them all. I like all the, <laughs> all's the Cusacks. Uh, what you got next? Uh, let's do 2019 obnoxious postman creates accidental Santa and destroys a feud. No idea. Okay. So this is a movie called Klaus that was a Netflix original. And Uh. this movie, I, I cannot recommend this highly enough. I almost put this in my top five, but it's not, I don't have the history with it for it to deserve to be there yet. But this movie I thought was – 
so, so well done. It's done in like an anime style animation. It's Jason Schwartzman and some other really interesting people. Oh, I like it's him. so good. This movie's so good. Go watch it. And this is one that even though it's called Klaus, like this transcends the holiday. Like this is a, everybody should have to see this. It's a really, really great story that wow. there's a lot of, the message is so strong in this. Like if we do this two years from now, Klaus is probably in my top five. Wow. All right. It's really good. I'm, I, I think so highly of this. Huh. All right. I'll take a look. Why not? All right, what's, your, what's your next J.K. One? Simmons. You got J.K. Simmons again. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, the only one I have left, we've sort of mentioned that it's 1988, and I'm trying to reconnect with my estranged wife in L.A. Oh, Die Hard. Yeah. But that's what Die Hard's about. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I have a couple that I want to run through quickly so we won't do the, the full thing. Should we have a quick debate on if Die Hard's a Christmas movie or not? Do we need to? Has it been done? Has the internet handled the topic? I, that The reason I wanted to Shawshank it is because I feel like if you want to talk about whether it is or not, just I'm sure The Ringer or Screen Rant or somebody has a very good perspective that's probably better than mine. Yeah, that's a good point. You, you know, if you're not sure if Die Hard's a Christmas movie, just Google it. Someone else will answer. We're, we're going we're gonna to take a hard pass on that. Yeah, fair. I'm, I'm okay with passing on it. All right, so let's rip through a couple. Uh, 1992, a Christmas classic told through the eyes of an amphibian. I don't know, The Last Dinosaur? <laughs> the Muppet Christmas Carol? I would oh. pick this over Scrooge because I like amphibian, this Amphibian, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, let's do Tim the Toolman. 1994, Tim the Toolman Taylor gets more than he bargained for. That's uh, Santa Claus? The Santa Claus, yep. But wait, wait, because again, these are these have a different meaning for you. Ha- Santa Claus, good, must watch, semi must watch. So, Santa Claus has become a movie I really like because it's a childhood favorite of my wife's, and I love my wife, and so I have now I get to watch it through her eyes, and it makes me I can now laugh with it instead of at it. I laughed at it the first couple times I saw it and hated it, but I've it's now become a <laughs> that, thing. That must have like, gone over well at home. <laughs> yeah, well, I listen. Her, we have very different tastes in in cinema. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, now I actually I've come to appreciate it for what it is. And now at, with a kid, I could see why a eight, nine, ten year old would think that movie's really, really sweet. And so for that reason, it's, it's I've come around to it. And I kind of I dig it now. It's fine. All right. I wouldn't watch it during like it's not on my list of have to watch, but my wife will watch it, and I will watch it with her. Uh, let's do 2008 meeting families can push you to the absolute brink of rom-coms. 2008 rom com Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon. Is this uh, Christmas with the Clanks? No, this is four Christmases where they oh. both have divorced parents and they have to do all four of the families. Yeah, it's you're not missing much, but it is a if you were gonna do a I want a mindless rom com that's in this season, it's a it's an it's a very easy easily watchable one. Right. Next time I want a mindless Christmas rom com, that's on my list. There you go. Instead of watching Love Actually for the hundredth time, you can put that. Is a what, what was it again? Mindless what? Mind, I want to a mindless holiday rom com. So, what would you rather drink? A mindless holiday rom com, or the? <laughs> Which I don't think. I think that's more of a. I don't know if that's an IPA. I think that's more of a stout. I would say. I think that's. I think that's leaning towards like canned rosé. <laughs> There you have it. No, it's one of those hard seltzers. It's a hard seltzer. Yeah, there you go. It's a hard seltzer. That would be great. A line of hard seltzers named after rom-coms. Or, or people. Like, this is the Katherine Heigl, and this is the... Uh, 
Listen, me and my buddy Darren Walker, who's a listener, have a whole menu list of just movie references for sandwiches. So we can combine these two things together and open the movie cafe. That's funny because a buddy, my my buddies and I, uh, what's up, Josh, Mike, and Jeff? Uh, we have a thing on movie quotes that would make great names for bars. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Let's we'll, we'll combine all of this, and this will be the retirement plan. Love it. So the last one I want to do before you tell us what we're going to do next week because we do have to wrap up. I can't believe neither of us brought this one up. It was almost a Shawshank for me, but wasn't. 1983, I've been good all year. Now give me my weapon as a gift. Christmas story. A Christmas story. Not, um... Same. Know, just No, same. Don't know why. Everybody loves it. And I'm like, I liked it. And then I don't care enough to rewatch it. And so it doesn't, it doesn't re-trigger anything for me. Yeah, this movie, my cousin Mart loves this so much and I adore her. And so I have fond memories of watching this with her and thinking I liked it. And then every time it's on and I'm by myself and I watch it, I go, eh. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. it just, I don't know. It's not as, it just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me the way that it does for so many people because it's a big deal to a lot of people I know. It's just, you know, it's fine. It feels like nostalgia for nostalgia's sake to me though. I think there's better stuff out there. Agreed. And uh, if you don't think we got this list right, everybody, don't forget to shoot a quick email over to hi at wingmandaily.com and let us know you want to uh, give us a little bit of your your airtime or something. You know, I think we should open this up. If, if someone out there really wants to say something but really doesn't want to actually have their voice on the thing because that feels a little intimidating, I think we're going to expand a little. You can just write us the email. We will read it verbatim. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing our best to not in any way mock or whatsoever, but like give you your, your, your airtime uh, in written. We'll do text to speech for you is what we're saying. We'll be like, yeah. we'll Google it. Yeah. We will happily orate whatever you write and then we'll discuss it. It will be discussed, but also, you know, we, we, I, we have a small list of people who are ready to come on the holiday season obviously makes it a little bit more tough, but seriously, you guys, the, the, the air, the air waves are yours. We are merely a vessel for your thoughts. Please let us know what you're thinking. Speaking of what you're thinking, Jeremy, what are you thinking we're doing next week? Well, I wrote this down recently and I went to vet it to make sure it works and it does. So next week, we'll be picking apart the top five movies that are worthy of being two and a half hours or longer. Oh boy. I like this a lot already. We always talk about the movie, the movies that are not deserving of their time. Now we'll talk about the ones that deserve that extra time for whatever reason we could possibly come up with. I love it. You like that one? I like it a lot. All right, JT and all like, hey man, don't don't be a Grinch this this coming week, my friend. Don't no Grinching. <laughs> I'll I will do my best. Thanks for letting this be your wingman, everybody. Hey.